Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Zach Sundin, executive producer of the Darwinian Diva podcast, and we are back. We are back with another exciting episode this week featuring Paula Wright. Viviana and I were super excited to put this one together. And just a quick update. The Diva is currently on injured reserve, so we may be a little slower in the coming weeks producing content, but after rehabbing, we will be back and better than ever. So here is the diva okay greetings and welcome to the darwinian diva podcast i am your host viviana weeks shackleford psychologist and scientist today we have paula wright with us paula is an independent scholar in evolutionary theory and creator of the darwinian gender studies forum created in 2008 and she is also at sexy isn't sexist on twitter Paula, thank you for being here today on the Darwinian Diva podcast. I know that everyone's world is a little different for various reasons during these times, and I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time, and discussing some of your contributions to the scientific community and telling us a little bit about yourself. So, welcome. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've been a big fan, both you and Tom, <laughs> for a long time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite honored. Yes. Thank you. So. So we're going to focus on some of your thinking and some of your contributions on gender studies. And I've been following you for a little while on Facebook. And um, I think what drew me to you was that I've been teaching um, psychology of gender for years. So even as, you know, as a teaching assistant in graduate school, I TA'd for you know, psychology of women and just fell in love with the area. And once I was introduced to evolutionary psychology, it kind of just you know, propelled me into, into that, to that area, not so much as an expert, but more of, you know, very interesting. And, um, I love applying evolutionary thinking to the, you know, that study. And, um, one of the interesting things just recently over the last few years is that, um, at Oakland university, they've switched the name of the course from psychology of women to psychology of gender. And, yeah. and I, you know, in, the busy, crazy times of our lives, I didn't ask anyone, well, why did you change it? <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, I've, of course, you know, my guess is, you know, steering away from, you know, binary types of, you know, discussions and so forth. But I also think, um, and this is just, you know, my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. that it kind of neutralizes, though, using that, that term, neutralizes some of that negative reaction to the term feminism, especially when you have students coming in, you know, and, it's a, you know, psychology of women class and, you know, what is feminism? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, there's sort of a benefit to changing it to, um, you know, uh, psychology of gender. Um, and since I've been teaching the course, I um, have used an evolutionary perspective explicitly in teaching the course. Um, and um, so I think students were sort of um, surprised right, in my approach to teaching psychology of women and psychology of gender, um, because we often talked about male psychology. <laughs> but as yeah. an evolutionary psychologist, we know that we, we can't talk about female psychology, especially with regard to sex differences, right? We can't talk about female yeah. psychology without talking about male um, psychology. So with that, um, you know, I would say, of course, my background would be more of an evolutionary perspective on Darwinian, you know, or on gender studies. Mm-hmm. How would you distinguish traditional gender studies from Darwinian gender studies? And, you know, is there, you know, a, a fine line, a very clean cut 
difference or is there, you know, sort of an overlap? What are your, your thoughts? Well, when I created the group in 2007, 2008, I'm not sure exactly when, um, I did used to call myself a feminist then. So I was kind of interested and, and I was getting into evolutionary psychology and like you was just kind of bitten by, you know, just the, 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 the much more parsimonious kind of explanations that you got there rather than just being weighed down with feminist theory. Um, so um, in the spirit of, you know, E.O. E. Wilson's consilience, I thought, you know, I'd have the big ambition to, you know, try and bring the natural sciences and the social sciences together and feminism and things like that. So it was, it was more just a pithy kind of name than, more, than, I, than a really well thought out one. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was better, better than Darwinian sexuality studies. And I thought gender could encompass both of those things. Right. Uh, but it, it was kind of the main thrust behind it was looking at feminist premises and putting them through an evolutionary lens and looking at them through an evolutionary lens. Um, with the hope I had, I had a thought of bolstering feminist theory. That's, that was what my goals were at the time. Right. Because so uh, I thought feminism asked a lot of interesting questions, but I wasn't really satisfied with the answers feminist theory gave. Uh, and I found evolutionary theory, you know, evolutionary psychology, biology, anthropology, much more kind of satisfying. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to apply those um, to that to that schema. Right. Yeah. So it's so then I guess my take would be it's from your perspective, it's sort of like there's overlap and they kind of, um, you know, complement each other, right? The two. Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. That's what I thought. And I discovered Greet Vandermassen at the time. She just finished her PhD and published her her book, uh, who's afraid of um, Charles Darwin. And she was talking about the same things as I was. I love that book. I've used it in my my classes. Um, I think it's, it's a gem. Yeah, well, we became, you know, good friends and um, yeah, talked to each other a lot about about these kinds of things. And I didn't feel so kind of alone in the world, but I still didn't have, there was just Greek to talk to about it. And I tried to go on uh, forums like uh, the Richard Dawkins forum mm-hmm. and free thought blogs and things like mm-hmm. that. They were fiercely anti-evolutionary psychology, which I thought was really ironic considering, uh, you know, Dawkins right. is a sociobiologist. Right but they were kind of all just really interested in the atheism thing. So I created my own kind of space for that, really. Right, right. Okay, so, oh, so that was sort of your, your motivation for it, right? Yeah. Um, so, so since the start, whether it was 2007 or 2008, what, <laughs> uh, what was your journey like? What was it like, you know, a lot, I mean, because what are we in, two, 2020 now? So it's been yeah. some time. Are, you know, are there any notable transitions or anything that has changed along the way? Well, again, I kind of, um, I mean, I just finished a, de- a degree, mm-hmm. undergrad degree in humanities. Oh, nice. But I, I kind of, in my dissertation, I kind of um, fused feminist theory with evolutionary theory. Um, and I'd had just had a baby <laughs> as well. Oh, my goodness. So I knew, and I was poor, so I, I knew that I wasn't going to be doing any postgrad uh, work for maybe 18 years. <laughs> oh my gosh, so, I know, I know, um, I know. So, uh, so I, that's another reason why I created the, the, uh, the forum was so I could, I could try and attract people who could teach me. 
um, more about it and I could test my ideas and uh, and, and things like that. Um, and what was the question? What was the oh, question? so um, so is there anything like notable along oh. the way that's caused any shifts in, you know, your thinking or, um, you know, mm. just changing the dialogue uh, with regard to gender studies? Yeah, well, I mean, it was very slow at first and then it just took off like a mm. rocket around about 2010. We had people like Gagsat, okay. David Bush, Jeff Miller, um, members, really kind of active members. Claire Lemon was one of my admins and she was really con contributed a lot to the group oh, okay. um and then um within those five years i think within the before before claire went up to go and do a quillette you could tell the culture war was kind of heating up okay. and uh and at all this time i was kind of talking to greet as well and greet was kind of getting pushed back from a lot of feminists for what she was doing and um and i'd looked at some kind of um feminist you know, um, feminist theory kind of premises some of the kind of really tough things that seemed intractable, you know, like rape, rape prosecution and things like that. <laughs> and, um, and kind of found that their methods weren't um, very robust. Uh, and I was really disappointed because I thought if this is a movement that's supposed to help women, then surely you, if you've got a duty of care, you should really try and you know hold yourself to the highest standard. Right. Um, so I became uh, disillusioned a little bit with feminism then because I couldn't really think of a reason ethically um, why that would happen or why that could happen, you know, without it being conscious. Right. Uh, and over the years, <clears throat> as you said, there, there's lots of things happened. Um, intersectionalisms taken off critical theory and if anything um i think probably around about the time i was co-writing the letter with um marianne and um daniel mm -hmm. it was about integrating evolutionary psychology and feminism but by that time i kind of knew it couldn't happen yeah. i kind of given up on that idea because i i knew i had the will and loads of people in evolutionary psychology had the will and wanted to reach out and wanted to have a have a really good you know, creative dialogue because we could see the kind of the threads that came together. Right. But it just wasn't the goodwill just wasn't there on the other side. So yeah, that why, changed. Why do you why do you think that? I mean, so when you say like um, that, you know, the will wasn't there, and you know, there's an ethical responsibility, but um, and I, I know this is, it's not a simple question. There's not a simple answer, but, but, you know, there's that divide, at least maybe not like in, in textbooks or anything like that, where we have, you know, feminism, you know, quote unquote, that is motivated by science and the actual mm -hmm. pursuit of truth and understanding and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, feminism that is driven by, you know, more of an ideology or, you know, knee-jerk reactions, or for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, political um, type yeah. reasons. And so, um, would you say that that contributes to this? You know, just hitting at the oh, wall yeah. and not making any. You know. Yeah, it's it's all ideology now, and nobody's really interested in finding. Oh, so certainly, I don't think on that side on finding solutions to problems. They're kind of more attached to 
maintaining kind of entrenched problems so they have a, a platform to launch political um, um, you know, strategies from really yeah and I don't yeah I think I think the world as we see it and as we experience it is far more complicated than you know men versus women it's as you said before you know men and women they've co-evolved together over millions of years you can't explain uh, one sex without you know looking at the other uh, right. and we're all in this together and really we could do a lot you know <laughs> just uh, just with that perspective rather than being combatants just right. uh being, yeah it's almost but like i don't see that happening i think it's gotten gotten worse unfortunately yeah i mean i wonder sometimes to what extent social media contributes to it because there's just so much stuff out there yeah. um and uh you know of course great benefits of course to social media but um just using this example where we're you know there there's this effort or maybe a stronger effort a few years ago to merge the fields or at least to get one side or the other you know to listen mm-hmm. um it's I don't know. I feel like it, it, it adds to the sort of, you know, controlled chaos that is going on well now yeah. and within this area as well. I kind of, yeah, I had a, just written something for Polyquids. I was just ha- hypothesizing out loud about um, what social, the, you know, what social media has done to us. And I kind of thought, is it, you know, in the way that, um, you know, it's an evolutionary mis- mismatch, right. you know, the way that sugar and fat and chocolate are, you know, we, we crave these things. We, we're social animals. We crave social animals. But in our, in our, the majority of our history, that's always been limited. And now we have it on tap and we are basically just glutting it. We're just <laughs> killing ourselves with it. You know, it should come with the, you know, kind of only, only <laughs> so much of it at a certain time. But yeah, we just can't stop it. It's just compulsive, just the way, you know, yeah. And do, do you think that's the same for social media and like, well, that's what I mean. Looking, social media, yeah, oh, oh, so the glutton the, of the immediate, the glut of just of social sociality of just having that okay. and just being able, you know, you don't, people don't really have thoughts anymore. They kind of, they tweet. Oh my God. So it's like any, anything that goes through your mind, it yeah. ends up on Twitter. Do you, do you think and, it's a uh, uh, generational though? I'm going off t- on a tangent here because I, I find myself, you know, especially when we're just, you know, again, talking, let's just say, use this example in merging, you know, feminist theories with, a, you know, evolutionary theory, mm-hmm. um, that there's so much going on that you're just talking, but you're not actually listening. And um, yeah. that presents a problem for those you know, like you mentioned earlier, that might have that real will <laughs> to make progress and, um, you know, feel a responsibility to do so. Yeah. Well, there's so much noise on social yeah. media. There's no, it's not curated. It's not, there are, there's no Queensbury rules to, you know, and it's kind of the worst of us and the best of us, but the best of us are kind of, well, I'm not saying that, it's me <laughs> it's just me. whatever I might try to but you know the, the best the best of the people who are trying to kind of plow the middle ground and find a kind of uh, a solutions rather than apply you know rules and what have you there they've got no chance they've got no chance it's uh, it seems like a kind of almost as well as it's a kind of the way a direct democracy where um elections don't count anymore because you can always contest them on twitter now Right, um, right. 
but yeah, I, d- I don't know what's happening. I think, <laughs> I think, I think the evolutionary mismatch thing might might have legs, but um, but yeah, I don't. I think we're all we're all going to be susceptible to that at some point. I think, um, and only only time will tell if we survive. <laughs> right, right. Um, <clears throat> so okay, so we talked a little bit about some pushback, right? Um, and I feel that you know, with most areas where there's you know, decades of research and, you know, more traditional type social sciences and so forth, um, you know, thinking about and applying an evolutionary uh, theory, you know, we often get pushback. And, um, and typically, you know, after a dialogue with that sort of pushback, we realize that it's, you know, fueled by misconceptions, right? Um, often, not always. Um, with you know, regard to specifically evolutionary psychology, right, or evolutionary theory. So one misconception that is, you know, very common is this of, you know, genetic determinism. So our behavior is controlled by our genes. We can't change it. And, and of course, you know, you can't find an evolutionary psychologist that would condone such a thing. (laughs) That's evolutionary psych 101. Um, So, um, yeah, we know that this isn't the case. So, are there obstacles that you think? I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say again. We we can say that people right. who study evolutionary psychology, but then there's this whole subculture, isn't there, of people who take little snippets of evolutionary psychology, become kind of online gurus right. uh, um, in the in the menosphere or the manosphere, the manosphere, manosphere, and um, you know, and they and and they're kind of have tens of thousands of followers who think these people know that they think they, right. they think these people know evolutionary psychology and they don't. Yeah. Yeah. They but, keep um, rallying behind these misconceptions. And I think that's yeah. really difficult to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to fight or not fight like, <laughs> but just yeah. to, you know, um, yeah, to counter. But, but because even then they're, 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 they have bad will as well. They're not interested in a dialogue to kind of get to the truth because right. you know, the, the MO isn't, find isn't truth at all it's just it's I don't know I don't know what um yeah it's it's like the scientific discourse becomes something different not not yeah. you know what I think it should be you know mm-hmm. or where the discourse becomes you know the goals of the discourse become washed yeah there's, there's... popularity or, or something yeah. right. right clearly they're getting something out of it but um so do you think, besides, you know, sort of misconceptions, are there other obstacles that you think might hinder our understanding of gender studies and sort of the future of gender studies? Well, at the minute, orthodox gender studies, probably, is the, yeah. the biggest barrier because there's so much we don't know right. about it. And at the minute, the debate is being commandeered by two extremes. They're both ideologues. We've got the radical feminists, then we have the intersectional feminists uh, and their branch of trans activism because, um, and these two two groups of people are vanishingly small, you know, uh, not representative populations at all, but they're the ones that are in charge of the debate. And and I think that that's something that um, I'd like to try and do something about anyway. Um, I think just bringing, you know, again, um, the kind of identity politics and social media, they all seem to mix 
hashtag politics, all this kind of thing. Um, they're easy, they're easy to do. It's like, um, I was reminded of uh, one of my favorite audition pieces used to be, uh, Shakespeare audition pieces, used to be the beginning of um, Henry the Fourth Part Two. And, and at the beginning of it, it's got, a, it's got a monologue by the character called Rumour, and it usually gets cut out, but it's really um, pertinent to today, I think, where, you know, because he says, you know, Rumour is a pipe, and if you think of Rumour, just think of kind of, you know, that, that a lie goes around the world in, you know, two seconds, and so it, it's, it's a crude kind of pipe that anybody can play, and that's, that's what hashtag politics is, right. and, um, and anybody can play it, just... Yeah. Yeah. What um I guess when you broke that in the, you know, hundreds right. of years ago. And it's pertinent today. So Oh yeah, it seems totally relevant today. Um I guess what strikes me with that is the um how well it takes off. So, you know, you said that you know, they're sort of the minority, yet they have a huge voice and it resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and um it's almost, um, well, I mean, it is in some ways disappointing, but it also begs, you know, well, how do we, yeah. how, do, how do we approach this and what is the best way? I mean, one is, you know, we can't, <laughs> we can't fix it. Um, it's yeah. just, a, it's, 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 it's a, the media isn't, isn't on our side. The mainstream media, mm-hmm. indie media is on our side, you know, like uh, Joe Rogan and uh, things like that they they kind of they have open they've got open ears you know right. and they've got goodwill to kind of but mainstream media I don't know if they've just they're just kind of they're so I think social social media you know um and the success of indie media on social media kind of has threatened their authority so they have to take sides right. and they've taken the side of um I don't know what would you call it just um the the critical critical theorists and okay. politicians seem to kind of pay more attention to these people are, are you know that they're, they're not representative of the general population yet they're overrepresented in politics they're overrepresented in media um and that yeah that that's that's a mismatch yeah definitely. right right do you think that um there is a gross misunderstanding or is, is it just an ignorance of the importance of science in this kind of, you know, topic that is holding us back or, you know, for people to sort of rally behind, even though it's a minority, they have these, you know, loud voices. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's just not, you know, this fundamental appreciation for science and the way it works and how, it can contribute, you know, yeah. in a tangible way, something that we have tangibly, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, tweak and, you know, make changes and, you know, put forth yeah. hypotheses and then, okay, well, that wasn't supported. Let's, you know, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I kind of, I'm liable to blame Richard Dawkins for this as well, because, you know, when, he, um, I, don't, I mean, just, just not seriously, but, yeah. but the kind of is marketing ploy for the, um, for the God delusion was amazing um, where he, the, the market, the meme, you know, that, that meme that he set loose wasn't that, you know, there wasn't a God, God was a delusion. It's just, it was, um, if you believe this, you're very, very clever. And, and of course, <laughs> I think that's how loads of people kind of 
bought into it. It's kind of like, I'm a very, very rational fellow and I'm a member of the Richard Dawkins Forum and I'm an atheist, but don't you talk to me about that pseudoscience evolutionary psychology. Right. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and I mean, I saw that was, it was just a bizarre state of affairs um, that fans of, of Richard Dawkins would be calling evolutionary psychology a pseudoscience. But, but at the same time, kind of swallowing all of the speculation in the God delusion um, uncritically. Right. You know, and which, which, you know, is, is philosophy. It's not, it's not science or anything like that. Not that it's a criticism of that, but I just thought, what, you know, what's happening in front of us and that, that, yeah. Well, science is hard, you know, passing, um, you know, questions into you know is and ought um they're not they're not common skills they they do have to be learned right um and um if you don't learn them then you then you're just going to be talking at odds with each with everybody and i'm not saying that you know emotions and feelings and all of that you know they're not important um definitely no Right. So, um, but, um, you know, like I mentioned, I think having that tangible thing uh, for us to, you know, get our hands on to, yeah. to actually make progress. Um, I think it's, it's really important. Um, so you've, you've talked about the paper with um, Marian Fisher and uh, Daniel Kruger um, a little bit. And so, so that, no, that wasn't the paper on the patriarchy, right? But so, no, that was the, well, that we we had to, we did a letter as well. Okay. But yeah, the, the patriarchy paper was. Um, yeah. So so I would love for you to talk a little bit about the patriarchy <laughs> uh, for our listeners. I think they might enjoy that. And sure. then, you know, and so um, you know what what does it mean? And well, where 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 is the patriarchy today? <laughs> well, this was this was going to be uh, my PhD. Um, okay. Subject. I was gonna. I was gonna create uh, an evolutionary model of patriarchy okay. to stand against the feminist conception of patriarchy. Um, because I mean, as you know, it's the term itself comes from a kind of anthropological tradition. You know, um, that people see kind of um, things going through male lines and things like right. that. Which, from an evolutionary perspective, we can see because of paternity certainty paternity insecurity but feminists don't talk about that so <laughs> that's not right. really on, the, on their radar at all it's fascinating it's fascinating yeah, 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 yeah. oh god it's like it's really fascinating yeah. um so yeah i was looking at this kind of this concept of patriarchy that's what the feminists call patriarchy which is this systemic that's a, that's a, that's a buzzword right now isn't it systemic yeah. sexism yes because this is all coming out of critical theory and critical race theory, critical right. standpoint theory. Uh, so yeah, that women are, well, this is what intersectional feminism, you know, I, th- I think feminism, like radical feminism probably died in the eighties. And then it kind of went through a kind of a quiet time where people tried to kind of reanimate with kind of lipstick feminism. And, but then, then standpoint theory got it. And it's kind of Frankenstein's monster just rose up. And uh, that's what we have today. <laughs> but um, 
But yeah, so I was looking at uh, this, this idea that feminists, especially, that's one thing radical feminists and intersectional feminists can agree on patriarchy. Okay. Because all, all feminists, this is what I did looking at the literature because my undergrad degree was in humanities. I, I left school without any qualifications and um, I didn't, I couldn't get into a kind of ev psych course. Okay. So I just wanted to get into academia so I could be able to write to people. Right, <laughs> and say, right. I'm a student, I'm interested in this, this, this. So I didn't really care what I was doing. But, um, but it did actually, it was actually useful because it taught me a lot about feminist theory. It taught me a lot about Marxist theory. I mean, they didn't know I was going to be critiquing it. Right. Um, but that's what, I, that's what I ended up doing. Uh, so, yeah, just looking at this nebulous kind of axiomatic, really. I mean, because feminists don't really of either kind of um, creed um, ask about, you know, the origins of patriarchy. I mean, I know okay. Barbara Smuts does that, but... Um, but not actually within feminism. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, I was just, I just thought, um, you know, with all of these kind of variables that are going on in evolutionary theory, you know, about parental uh, uncertainty, about you know, concealed ovulation, mm -hmm. uh, and then combining that with, you know, um, local kind of ecological kind of pressures, which, which will kind of arise to kind of make different cultures have different kind of norms and different traditions and depending on you know what what pressures they faced right. in, in in that history um that you know that was a much more complex and satisfying way to look at a really complex kind of human phenomena right that happens everywhere rather than oh all roads lead to patriarchy well what's patriarchy patriarchy's the systemic oppression of women um, by all men. But so where does that come from? Uh, it's socially constructed, which means we can socially unconstruct it. Um, and it's kind of, well, if it isn't, what if, what if actually, yeah, what if it actually has a, you know, like, I don't know, like a antibiotic, what if it's actually got good properties as well as uh, bad properties? What if, what if it's kind of protecting against one thing and, or, or you know, are you sure it's like Chesterton's fence? What do you want to get rid of patriarchy for? You don't know what it's there for. Right. <laughs> Chesterton's right. patriarchy. You know, surely we should understand it more rather than just go, oh, I don't like that. Let's smash it before you actually understand what it is. Right. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. I probably went off on a tangent. No, no. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it sounds so, um, you know, basic, like, yeah, if we're going to use a term to describe <laughs> all male psychology by the term patriarchy, then we might want to understand it um, mm -hmm. before <laughs> before doing that. Um, and, you know, also, I mean, this is true with any area, right? We want to understand it. I mean, because there are huge social implications, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think I mean, that that, yeah. The pseudoscience throughout the 20th century that led to you know millions of people dying right pseudo social science um you know when science is actually done with the proper safeguards you know uh, and not and you can you try your best to keep ideology out of it you know that that's you know that doesn't do half as much damage right you know to, to what's pseudo social science does right and it's not um, perfect and i think that is a misconception oh no no right you know that we say yeah. okay well you know science has the answers well i mean it's better 
<laughs> it's a, it's better than you it's know. System we created because we know we already have biases. Right. The people who created the scientific method didn't think, oh, we don't have any biases, so we don't really need to create a method that will get rid of those biases because we don't have any. They knew the, the human biases, which right. is why they created the method. We right. didn't really need it. What would you call it? Um, is it subjective? Oh yeah, right. Scientific yeah. method because that's just the state of nature already. Right. Uh, that's the way things are. Right. Uh, so in order to try and get through, you know, the, the blind spots, that's why we created the scientific method. Right. Yeah. Because we know we have blind spots. Yeah. Yeah, and and they will still be there, but it does you know, provide that safeguard and sort of checks mm-hmm. and balances, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. For making, um, you know at least scientific yeah. progress. Um, so we've got these huge blind sighting things happening in the world. Today. <laughs> but yeah. I sometimes like to make plans and goals for myself. Um, do you have any goals looking forward with, um, you know, with regard to gender studies and your forum and sexy isn't sexist? Um, what are some goals? <laughs> yeah. Big bowl um, ideas, or I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to do a stand up thing about female intersexual competition at some point. Nice, nice. Um, I think I could get a lot of laughs from that. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm just. I I'm did hoping, see your bit on the yeah. uh, boobs where you started out with boobs. <laughs> yeah, sacrilege. Yeah. The boobs. The boobs. Yeah, the boobs. <laughs> yeah, right. But um, so that's upcoming. Yeah, yeah, and I'm 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 talking to some pe- people about maybe he's going to do an MSc, because um, okay. fund- funding's changed since the last time I think I attempted to do this. Okay. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and a couple of really um, lovely people have come forward and uh, offered to give me letters of recommendation. So, um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that'll, that'll, I'll get my kind of um, formal uh, qualification in evolutionary theory. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe get into a lab and start kind of um, testing all of the hypotheses that I've come up with over 15, 15 20 years. <laughs> right. But I think it's amazing. And, you know, that you've continued doing this throughout the years. I mean, it just, you know, speaks to your passion for the area and the mm. field. And so. Well, it's not really, it's never really been a choice. It's kind yeah. of. It's not like kind of I can give up and do something else because I can't. I just, right. I just, it just, I can't. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't just, turn yeah. it off. No. <laughs> I know. I'm still trying no. to figure out how to turn me off too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen that easily. No. no. So yeah, it's not really, I, it's not really a case of trying. It's just yeah. tenacity and just kind of, well, just being an absolute pain in the ass for a lot of people. But um, it's kind of, I'll die one day and then it'll stop. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Paula, thank you so much for coming on. Um, <laughs> it's been a great conversation. Um, I am wondering if uh, we have guests and listeners that might want to reach out to you. Um, how would you like them to uh, do so? Yeah, well, I'm on Twitter, uh, at okay. Sexy Isn't Sexist. We keep, well, I keep the um, Darwinian Gender Studies group under 
1.2 thousand I've always done that because the quality of debate is much okay more important to me than um popularity okay and uh and then I learned about Dunbar's number as well which which was um interesting yeah. <laughs> right right but it's kind of it's kind of seems to have worked and because yeah it keeps trust there as well people can talk about things we can talk about you know what Dennett said you know dangerous ideas um right. hopefully in a safe space right safe space yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's on Facebook, right? That's on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, thank you again. And, um, we hope that, you know, you come back on. This has been super helpful. Oh, it's been lovely. I've lo- lo- lovely meeting you. Thank you. <laughs> A big thank you to you guys for listening today. Please continue to send in your questions and comments. We really like receiving them. And remember, Be curious, stay engaged, and join us next time on the Darwinian Diva podcast.